ignoring team chemistry because, well, we don't have any. This is the Getting Blank Podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to a special edition of the Getting Blank Podcast. Uh, Today, I believe, is Tuesday the 17th. Is that correct? Tuesday, December the 17th. Uh, Nothing's going on. Nothing at all. The winter meetings are over. They were kind of a bust because, I don't know, everything's already done. Uh, The Masahiro Tanaka thing is coming to a head. Looks like he's probably going to get posted. But no one cares about that stuff. Well, they do. But you know what I care about? I care about baseball. So today's a special edition because we have a special guest. An advanced video scout and bullpen catcher for the Boston Red Sox, Mr. Brian Abraham, is going to join me in studio to talk about what an advanced video scout does, talk about some experiences, some memories as the bullpen catcher being in uniform, on the field, for the World Series champs. And uh, we just did the, the... We just chatted. We just did our little segment. And... uh I'm going to be honest with you. It was awesome. It was really a lot of fun. And I think it's cool to hear perspective from a guy who is right there. Young guy. Super nice. So that's it. I want you to go listen to this. Enjoy Mr. Abraham's insight and observations from inside the game, which we don't get very very often here on Getting Blanked. Usually we just kind of talk shit most of the time. But that's, uh, you know, there's value in both sides of that coin. And uh, and then, yeah, so it's a special edition of the Getting a Blank podcast. We'll probably do another one later this week, try to move some pieces around, but later in the week we'll have another one. But for today, enjoy my conversation with Brian Abraham of the, Bro- of the Boston Red Sox. More acronyms than a shady tax return. It's the Getting Blank podcast. All right, so yeah, as promised, it is a, uh, a special edition of the Getting Blank podcast. We have a special guest here in studio his name is Brian Abraham. He is a, uh, his title is not as sexy. <laughs> what is it? Major League? Major League Staff Assistant. Major League Staff Assistant. Rolls right off the tongue. Rolls right off the tongue. It looks great on a business card. Yeah. Uh, Brian works for the Boston Red Sox as an advanced video scout and as a bullpen catcher. So Brian is going to talk to us all about being in the big league clubhouse, doing that kind of work for, for the guys. And then we're going to talk about, uh, I think... The Red Sox had a good year this year? Yeah, we did all right. Did all right. Did all right. Uh, this man was mere steps away from not only iconic moments in Red Sox history, but the bullpen cop. <laughs> he's got the, he showed me on his phone. He's got the bullpen cop's number. We could call him right now. We could talk to that guy's mustache. It would be awesome. He might be working. He might be working. Brian, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, of course, Brian also worked for six years uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays in a, uh, in a simu- similar video, uh, video advanced scouting role. Similar role. Uh, video advanced scouting through some BP. Kind of uh, did a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, is there was there an, a special time that you threw batting practice that people may remember? Uh, yeah, there was one time uh, <laughs> to Jose Batista in the in the home run derby. So, uh, so you can send your cards and letters to Brian. About only that. nice ones. Only nice ones. Only nice ones. Uh, so first, first and foremost, let's talk. Just talk about your 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 responsibilities, your roles and responsibilities. Roles and responsibilities uh, with the Red Sox. This is your first year with the team, of course. Um, just tell us about uh, kind of what your average day is as a, when you're get, doing video and, and getting stuff together, reports or whatever for uh, for the players. Yeah, basically, um, you know, every day is based obviously on on the game we're about to play that day and the series we're about to play. Um, advanced scouting, I guess, has more to do with the series after the current series. So, you know, if we're playing 
the Blue Jays currently and the Yankees next, I'd be working on the Yankees. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously, I catch the bullpen as well, so it's kind of juggling between the two on field and off the field, like you know the coaches do as well, and and the players. Um, so basically, a lot of the a lot of the work I do is breaking down video for for our position players and even our pitchers. Uh, for me personally, a lot of what I do is for the pitchers, opposing team pitchers. So um, I break down video and basically go over tendencies and pitch percentages for for our hitters, uh, stuff that they'd want to know and. Hopefully, be able to look on onto video and and uh, and check it out. And you guys pre- uh, prepare uh, a report each day for each every every player on the nights or the day starting pitcher, correct? Exactly. Um, basically, we have an advanced scout, and uh, we have some guys in the office that help out as well. And before each series, we prepare a whole packet. And uh, myself and uh, the coaching staff have a conference call with our advanced scout Steve Langone and go over basically the opposing team that we're about to play the first day of the series and we go over all the information and then later on in the day we we basically give that to the players um the pitchers have a meeting and the position players have a meeting so it's 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 separate but they're given all the information and if it's not given to them it's available if if need be and when they say it's a guy who's you know you've seen a hundred times you know Going in to face CC Sabathia, as you mentioned, the Yankees. I mean, all the guys, almost everyone in the Red Sox clubhouse has seen him a bunch of times. Are there, you know, little things that you're looking for, things that may be different from start to start, or, you know, things the advanced scout may have picked up? Yeah, I mean, it can get a little bit repetitive, especially interdivision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we played teams so many times, and you could play a team where, like you said, you face CC Sabathia. You know, the last three series we played him, he pitched every time. And maybe we don't face Corota once. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for this year we face Corota five or six times. So it can get a little bit repetitive, but I think each start the pitcher tries to go in with the game plan against our hitters. Um, you know, depending on who's hot, who's not, who's swinging the bat well. Um, maybe a guy's you know an injury that could affect him at the plate, and you want to you know work inside a little bit more, or his bat's a little bit slow because he's his legs are tired. Um, so an opposing pitcher is going to look to to get you out in in those particular ways, but um, I think overall guys generally have a feel for the pitchers um, that we that they face before, and then they try to look at their at bats against that pitcher and say, how does this guy attack me, and how can I succeed, or how can I do as well as I've done in the past? What about as a as a new guy, someone maybe uh, the players haven't faced you again? You're looking a series ahead, so say. There's a guy like a Chris Archer's coming up, and maybe most a lot of the guys haven't seen him. So, so what is it you find that the players want to know the most about someone who they haven't seen before? Um, I mean, just general plan of attack. You know, a big thing, obviously, velocity. Mm-hmm. Um, guys want to know how hard a guy's throwing. Sometimes that can be difficult. Um, say, a guy like Chris Archer, you know, came up to the big leagues. He's working out of the out of the bullpen, mm-hmm. and he's throwing, you know, 97, 98, and then he comes in as a starter, and he's throwing 93, 94. That's something we might not know, and you have to adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. But um, the biggest thing I know our, our hitting coach, Greg Colburn, tells our hitters is, is you know, watch the game. So, you know, watch that first inning, see how the pitcher is going to attack, and then uh, base your at-bats, you know, off that into your second and third at-bats. And I think with our team specifically, you could see that throughout the season as, you know, we adjust from – the first time through the order to the second, third, fourth time through. Uh, and then obviously there are some guys that that want more information, other guys who aren't as interested. I mean, uh, you mentioned we were kind of talking before about a guy like uh, – guys do work according to how they're going to be used. So you mentioned that Johnny Gomes is a guy who might look at more of the relief pitchers because he may be coming off the bench in a late-game situation. 
Yeah, everyone's different. Um, you know, we don't force information on guys. You know, we give a starter opposing starter sheet to every position player before the game. Um, the relievers are available also. And, uh, you know, a guy like David Ortiz wants to look at video of um, the opposing pitcher with runs in scoring position to see how that pitcher faces uh, guys in, in critical situations. Um, maybe a guy who's going to probably pinch hit late might want to look at, at relievers depending on what type of hitter he is. So everyone's different. There's not a, a specific way of looking at video, so it's kind of to each their own. And when you're working in the in the bullpen in the games, you said you with the bullpen uh, coach – They'll kind of help maybe provide some scouting reports for the pitchers as they're on their way in. Uh, is, is there, is there, does it get that kind of specific in the moment in the game? Yeah, it can. Um, you know, we have our advanced meeting obviously before the series, but um, as the game progresses, Dana Levangi, our bullpen coach, um, who also was an advanced scout for the Red Sox uh, previously, um, he goes over with our relievers, uh, the hitters, um, holes, and impossible guys' approaches. And, you know, before the game, he says, okay, this is what we want to do. Um, this guy is, you know, he possibly ambush, uh, swing the first pitch guy. So don't throw a strike down the middle. Um, so little, little things like that can just help the guy. Obviously, the pitcher um, ultimately relies on, on the catcher putting down the signs um, and their own, own ability. But um, you know, the information is, is readily available throughout the game as well. But it's just about how, whether or not guys, whether or not they want to use it. Yeah, exactly. Um, some guys don't want to look at anything. They just go out there and, and rely on their stuff. Other guys... Um, want to know everything mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what it is they they want to know it and if it helps them it helps them you mentioned uh of course you said you're the bullpen you're in the catch in, in the in the in the pen catching guys in the bullpens i mean you said there are two two, two different bullpen catchers correct so you had kind of your own guys that you caught through the year and unless you know just something you just yeah it kind of goes back and forth you know mm-hmm. sometimes uh, you know, one guy will get up, and the bullpen can be a little bit crazier. This is my first year in the bullpen, mm-hmm. and you kind of always see this guy gets up and he gets down, and you know, he gets hot and he gets cold, and so sometimes a guy will get up and someone's catching, and then another guy gets up and then someone stops. So it can be a little bit all over the place. But having two guys allows the ability to have a bullpen coach watch the pitchers, have two catchers catch the catchers. We even had an instance this year where we had three pitchers on the mound at Fenway in the bullpen warming up. <laughs> Which was, I've, I mean, obviously I've never seen before. Even our bullpen coach, who had been has been around for a while, had had never seen it before. There's baseballs flying everywhere. Yeah, they were going all over. I think we had a fan come down and uh, catch Andrew Bailey at one point. Really? No, no, not really. That would be awesome. Yeah, I would no. sign me up for that. Yeah. That's like a Make a Wish kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I want to come down catch Andrew Bailey. So I mean, uh, you played in, in college, right? You Correct. went to yeah. Holy Cross. Is that yes, true? Yeah, that's right. Wow, good memory. I remember everything. Uh, uh, but these are guys are. Patriot League powerhouse, Holy Cross. Yeah, <laughs> you and Bill Simmons, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, these guys have ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. Is it kind of? I mean, you you through through BP all your years in Toronto, but I mean, getting getting in back there as these guys are getting up to game speed, was it kind of? You have those moments where, like, oh my goodness, like Andrew Bailey throws really hard, or yeah, like think, this guy's got crazy movement. Yeah, I think the hardest thing is catching a guy for the first time. Yeah, um, you can what you know. I, watch a video of these guys, especially being with the Blue Jays, seeing the opposing pitchers, those are the guys I was catching. You have an idea of the stuff they have, but until you actually catch it, it's really hard to tell. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, Koji's a perfect example, Koji Uihara. I mean, you can watch him on TV and you're saying, jeez, what, yeah. what's he throwing? And then you catch him and, it's like, oh, okay, I can kind of, I mean, it's hard to, hard, hard to catch. It kind of shoots out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, catching him for the first time, I think, but I actually think I would say, I mean, someone might disagree, but major league pitchers are a little bit easier to catch because they know where it's going. Mm-hmm. Where some of my friends in college 
had no idea where it was going, yeah. which can be a little bit more difficult at times. We made it 14 minutes before we mentioned Koji Uehara. I'm so oh. impressed with our restraint. Uh, but when you're catching a guy like Koji, I mean, that's the whole, his whole thing. Everything looks it looks like it's coming from the same place, and then it's, it's the splitter, it's the fastball, it's whatever. I mean, even when he's telling you, like, I'm going to throw the, throw the off-speed pitch, you still kind of like, oh, my God. <laughs> Just I kind of his release point, the way he throws the ball, it's, it's very deceptive. It kind of jumps out of nowhere. I mean, he. I don't think he—I mean— I might be wrong, but I don't think he threw a pitch harder than maybe 91 miles per hour all year. Mm. Um, so just that the ability to locate his fastball, I think that's with most pitchers. His ability to do that allows him to use his splitter pretty much any time as well, and it, it's the same plane as his fastball and just drops late. So, I mean, he basically puts it where he wants, and he can use his splitter both sides of the plate. He can throw at different angles, and, you know, he's not afraid. He can he'll throw any pitch any time, and... I think that's why he was successful. Very, very, very successful. Very successful. Uh, it's hard. It's easy to overlook. I mean, Red Sox won 97 games, won the World Series. For God's sake, so many guys came through that bullpen this year. I mean, you look yeah. at the, the bullpen at the beginning of the year, a lot of depth. You know, Bailey, Hanahan, you said you caught him in spring training, Andrew Miller. So many of these guys, really quality big, big league relievers who ended up, you know, at home or in, in Florida rehabbing by the time the end of the year came around. And, you had to work so many extra guys through as the season went along. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, towards the end of the year, obviously every team has injuries. And mm-hmm. No one wants to make excuses for injuries, but I think that was definitely one thing that, you know, people forgot about our team is, you know, we had Hanrahan, Bailey, and someone who's not talked about a lot, but I think was a, a big loss was Andrew Miller, mm-hmm. who's a left-hander who throws 97, and he can pitch multiple innings. He can, you know, be a situational left-on-left guy. He can get righties out. I mean, it's hard to find a guy like that. Those type of guys don't grow on trees so mm-hmm. I mean those are three late inning arms that we lost mm-hmm. and uh, you know we were able to overcome guys stepped up and guys were probably pitching in situations that maybe they weren't comfortable in or shouldn't have been in but uh, they were able to do it and it, it worked out pretty well we talk about a guy like Breslow right Craig Breslow another guy who who you know really uses his command really is able to kind of really locate his pitches and and Pitching big innings in the World Series. Yeah, I mean, a guy who, who who studies video and has an idea of what he wants to do and relies on his strengths mm-hmm. and says, okay, this is what I want to do to this hitter, and you know, I'm going to try to do it. Um, guy like that just, I mean, do you see how far he come from the, came from the beginning of the year just watching him and, you know, great guy, smart guy, obviously, went to Yale. Uh-huh. <laughs> just... Really amazing how how far he came from the beginning of the year, and I think if you look at his his career numbers, I mean, you can put him up against a lot of lefties in in baseball, and just as good, if not better. I think he's one of those guys who's you know unsung hero, and I think you know the world kind of saw how good he was this season. Really easy to to take for granted the contribution of a guy like that who may have a lot of his career pitched in the you know sixth seventh inning, but again, as you said, as as the season progressed. There he was, pitching later and later, getting big, big outs for uh, a very successful team. Yeah, it's definitely a different different element into the late innings, and I think, I don't say we were lucky that the guys were able to do that during the regular season, that they weren't thrust into that, into the playoffs, where all of a sudden, you know, Breslow and Tazao were all of a sudden pitching the 7th and the 8th inning in the World Series where they hadn't done it all year. Um, they had done it during the regular season towards the end, so I think that helped in terms of just feeling comfortable with their roles and understanding what their jobs were. And, you know, we relied on our, our bullpen during during the playoffs, and, and they really came through when we needed them to. So the World Series, that must have been uh, fun, huh? Yeah, it's kind of one of those things, I think, 
you dream about. I never expected to actually be in one or be in uniform for one. So, um, you know, I'm from Massachusetts and I grew up a Red Sox fan. So I think it was a little bit extra special. And uh, you kind of know it's coming close. You know, the last game, game six, you know, we're ahead and we're going to win the World Series. And it's still, until it actually happens, hard to believe. It's like, no, is anybody saying it? In the bullpen, like you know, you know, we need, um, we need to get six more outs, and we're going to win the World Series. Or is it kind of you don't really say that, but yeah. you kind of get a feel. And then in the ninth inning, you know, kind of all of the bullpen guys were kind of congratulating each other, and you know, Koji was pitching, so we felt pretty comfortable. <laughs> I think we got a five run lead at the time, so yeah. it's like okay, I think Koji can handle this. And then uh, our bull- Dana, our bullpen coach, you know, when we have won in the past, when we've clinched, you know, myself, the other bullpen catcher, Mani, and and Dana, we grab all all the guys' equipment and walk it in. And this time, Dana said, "No, we're we're running in to celebrate," which was awesome. Yeah, no so doubt. we threw all the stuff in the bathroom. <laughs> so I, I don't even know if guys got back their gloves or anything. That probably not, some nice souvenirs for someone. But we threw all the stuff in the bathroom and got to run out and, and celebrate with the team, which was the jog from the bullpen or run from the bullpen was the longest run of my life. Even though it was probably just you know 370 feet. That's amazing. Uh, you said you you in spring training you were telling your friends that you're like this is a good team like we're a good team you guys kind of had a real good feeling from the from the start of the year yeah I think there was just a lot of solid baseball players that enjoyed to play baseball and and wanted to win um, no one was you know they didn't bring any superstars into the off season just a lot of solid baseball players guys that maybe were coming off years that they weren't happy with or didn't you know fall into their potential that they've had in their careers, but the ceilings for their future seasons were higher. Mm-hmm. And I think guys played up to that level, if not higher. Um, you know, a guy like Shane Victorino, who some people said that was a bad signing, and to think where we would have been without him, and to see him play throughout the year with, you know, injuries and soreness was, uh, you know, pretty, pretty special to watch. I think the, the group of guys we had, and, you know, obviously whenever a team wins, this, the team the next year is not going to be the exact same. Mm-hmm. It was pretty special to be with that team. It's it's It was an honor to be a part of the guys, and especially with everything that happened in Boston early in the year with the marathon. It was just, mm-hmm. I mean, if you asked me to write a movie, I don't know if I could write a better script. No one would believe it. They would be I like, mean, no, it, no, yeah. come on, that's too much. Make yeah. it realistic. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it just seemed like, I don't want to say it was luck, because I think you create your own luck. Mm-hmm. But just the way some of the things fell into place for us and the way we created opportunities and took advantage of the opportunities, it just it just seemed to work out towards the end. I feel like there's a lot of guys on the team. I mean, even even in the bullpen, Andrew Bailey's been a closer before. Hanahan was a, was a closer you know, in Pittsburgh. Guys that kind of bought in and were like, this is, I'm going to do my job. I'm not, maybe not, obviously they want to get the saves and, and, and it's going to get them paid or whatever, but it seemed like all, all across the whole team, they all wanted, everyone understood that they had a job to do and that was what they needed to do. Yeah, I think we had a lot, not that other teams don't want to win, but I think in a game that is very, you know, stats-driven and it's an individual game but at the same time a team game, I think guys did an unbelievable job of kind of saying, okay, what can I do that's going to help the team the best? You know, if I need to pitch out of the bullpen like Ryan Dempster did in the playoffs, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to do that. Uh, you know, if Andrew Bailey needs to set up instead of close, I'm going to do that. Uh, just little things like that. I mean, uh, Daniel Nava played some first base. Daniel Nava didn't play in the World Series, and he had one of the most unbelievable seasons. I mean, he had the most unbelievable seasons of his short career. Mm-hmm. Um, but he understood that, you know, the lineup that John put out there 
Farrell put out there was the lineup that he thought would have gave us the best chance to win. So I think kind of guys put their their egos aside and said, okay, this is the best for the Red Sox, it's the best for the team, and that's how we're going to roll. Uh, the World Series and the playoffs, a lot of action there in the uh, in the right action. field bullpen. Yeah, uh, from Ortiz, David Ortiz hit his his grand slam in there, and uh, you said you didn't. You thought it was a three run homer. You didn't quite you weren't quite sure of the, of the well, situation. We were warming up two guys at the time. Um, I think Breslow and Tazawa, and uh, you know we were warming up the guys, and we were down, and I knew guys were getting on. You can't see over the over the bullpen wall when you're catching in the in the Red Sox bullpen or either visiting side either. So if things are happening, you can kind of go by the crowd and got, people are cheering. And then when he hit the ball, the guys in the bullpen, I mean, it is tight quarters. I mean, if you step in front of the bullpen seats and someone's pitching there, you're going to get hit. And the guys jumped off their seats as David Ortiz hit the ball, and, I, and the crowd was going crazy. And I looked to my left, and I saw the ball coming at us. And I yelled to Mani, to Mani, the other bullpen catcher, to watch out, and he stuck up his glove and caught it like it was, you know, caught it and just, you know, caught caught the next pitch coming from Tazawa. Like, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't a big deal. It was very casual, put it in his back pocket. And then Torrey Hunter came flying over. Um, yeah, that was, uh, wow, that was pretty exciting 10 seconds. I'll say. Well, you said you thought that something was wrong with Torrey Hunter. Yeah, I mean, we thought Torrey Hunter, I mean, he hit the wall. That wall, I mean, on TV, people probably see guys running into the wall. It is not soft. Yeah. It is hard. It is like a brick wall. I mean, they have padding, but the padding... I don't think really helps. And he hit it full head of steam, which, I mean, you got to give credit to him. I mean, just shows the importance of the playoffs there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was going to catch that ball. Luckily for us, he didn't. Luckily, he was okay. But he tumbled over, and he hit the the ground hard. And, uh, you know, fortunately, it was a grand slam. Fortunately, Torrey Hunter was okay. And fortunately, we ended up winning the series. Best case scenario all the way around. Yeah, exactly. For, well, us, and, for us. And then uh, uh, in the World Series, it was game one, game two, Carlos Beltran, crashed into that very same wall yeah. like he made an amazing catch I guess yeah, w- you thought you were in the same situation yeah he was on the visiting side for that one. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but I mean he hit the wall really hard I mean he hit it he hit it basically like Torrey Hunter except Torrey Hunter flipped over was higher up like was, on the hip yeah. or whatever and uh, I mean you could tell I mean obviously Beltran got hurt mm-hmm. um, but what an amazing catch we thought I mean what an amazing catch that was that was mm-hmm. I mean you can just go by all the reactions the, bull, the dugout the bullpens I mean Really good catch, especially considering the situation. Mm-hmm. Luckily, it didn't matter. We won that game either way, but could have been a big play. Uh, so you got to watch 100 and well, like 75 games. Plus, uh, more than that, plus spring training. Plus, well, plus spring training. Uh, is there something? A couple other things you remember? I mean, obviously the World Series is a big thing. But you remember? I mean, you got to. You've seen the best players in baseball now. I mean, you've been watching them for seven years, and as we, you know, working in the big leagues, but. Did yeah, it give I mean, you a different perspective from being out there, being able to watch? Yeah, definitely. I think being out in the field is definitely definitely a different perspective. You, you know, you feel the crowd, you feel the, the pressure of the game, the situations, especially when you're warming up guys and the guy needs to go in quick. And, I mean, it's fast. The, the game goes really fast. And the highs and lows of, of, a, of a hit, of a strikeout. Um, you know, one thing that sticks out in my mind is right after the marathon uh, bombings, we were down against Kansas City. And Daniel Nob, I think, hit a three-run homer to put us up by run, by uh, one run. And just the emotion sometimes, I think, on the field is, is different than watching it on TV. I mean, you're really a part of it, and the crowd, I think, helps that. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of times in the playoffs, Victorino hit the grand slam against Detroit. And then the bases-clearing uh, double against 
the Cardinals. I mean, just Fenway Park being such a small stadium, I mean, it, it's loud. Another, Actually, another that kind of is Blue Jays related is the first time we came back to Toronto mm. when Farrell came, and the stadium was as loud as I've ever heard it when they were chanting Farrell, which was kind of cool. I, yeah. I guess, you know, it's kind of... To see fans come together like that is cool. I don't know if it was necessarily for the right reason, but hey, that's being a fan. Exactly. All right, that's... Uh, we've already taken too much of your time. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, it has been my pleasure. Uh, that's it for this special edition of the Gang Blank Podcast. We'll uh, probably be back later this week with another one. See you later. Days of Get enough baseball? Check out thescore.com slash getting blanked. Like us on Facebook or Twitter. Really, we're social, even if we don't really look like it. Desperation.